Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Good morning. morning. Let me see if I can see you. (laughs) It's great to be here this morning. Uh, I see several familiar faces. Uh, If you don't recognize me, I'm Brian Carr. I'm the director of church relations at the Children's Home, and I was honored to serve here as my first appointment uh, from 1998 to 2003. Uh, and I uh, remember Robbie McNabb, who was with my first contact. She was the staff parish chair back then. And uh, I was in Kentucky, and she called me, and she told me that Asbury was a church that adored their associate pastors. And I sure experienced that. Uh, Lorraine and I uh, always loved it here, and we're so grateful that we got to start here. Uh, I've been to a lot of churches since then, and, uh, and I'm convinced that the very best place uh, for Lorraine and I to have started an ordained ministry is here. Uh, so thank you all. Uh, thank you for the way that you loved us. Um, thank you for your perseverance. I don't know if you remember my very first sermon, but it may still be going on. Uh, it was on Father's Day, and it was about uh, Mordecai and Esther. Anybody remember that, or did everyone sleep through it? Um, but I remember it lasted forever. And I also remember I had made the mistake to tell Tim Cranus that uh, I had a lot in common with Tim Carson, mainly that I sweated like Tim Carson. So that first Sunday, uh, Tim, Chris, I don't know if you got this, hopefully not, Tim had rigged up a series of fans uh, underneath the podium so that my robe was blowing in the wind the whole time. And I felt like the flying nun uh, back there. Um, But it did uh, cool me down uh, some. Uh, But uh, seriously, uh, I'm thrilled to be back. Very grateful, Chris, for the opportunity and the invitation. Uh, Thank you. And um, I served uh, as an ordained elder in the Florida Annual Conference from Uh, June of 1998 uh, until July 1st of 2022. Uh, And after a long period of searching uh, God, I was doing some intermittent fasting uh, during those days, actually for about two and a half years. I just sensed that there was something going on with me. Uh, We loved First United Methodist Church in Port St. Lucie, really a delightful congregation, and a lot of wonderful things were happening there. But I just kind of sensed something happening in me. Uh, and uh, after about two and a half years of that prayerful, uh, intermittent fasting searching of God, uh, I finally felt like on November 17th of 2021 that God told me to go. Uh, and uh, it was very complicated. I wasn't old enough to retire, even though I may look at I wasn't old enough to retire, had not saved like I should have, um, but 
strive to be obedient and uh, just uh, retired. Uh, And um, after all that happened, uh, I was approached by the children's home. So I retired on July 1st of 2022, and I began to work with the children's home as the director of church relations on July 5th, 2022. So I had four scintillating days of retirement. Uh, actually, I had a couple more weeks because my last Sunday was in mid-June, so uh, that's not exactly accurate. Um, but I love working uh, at the children's home. Uh, I work with uh, tremendous people. I told someone yesterday, uh, even though I've worked in church staff so much of my life, the staff that I work with uh, at the children's home is perhaps the most Christian staff I've ever worked with, which is interesting, isn't it? I told the director that, and he said, nah, can't be. You've always worked in churches. Uh, But there's just something special uh, about that place, and I'm honored and privileged uh, to be part of that. Uh, And I get to travel to churches. um, Barbara, you may find this very interesting, but I've already filled out my form for Charge Conference as a retired pastor. I didn't do one last year, but I decided to do it early So in my first year, from July to July, I spoke at 47 different churches on Sunday morning. So I get to travel around a lot, uh, and I'm honored uh, to represent uh, Christ and the children's home uh, in that. Uh, And uh, normally I preach um, a similar sermon, uh, but Chris challenged me to fit into the sermon series, and he and I were talking about it earlier. I really appreciate that challenge. I don't know if you will. Uh, but I appreciate that challenge. Uh, so uh, the scripture reading this morning is from Luke, uh, verse uh, 45. It might help if I get to Luke. I thought that passage in Mark just did not look right. Uh, from uh, 46 through 49. Hear the word of the Lord. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, I am no longer my own but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, most glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. 
And may this covenant which I have made on earth be ratified in heaven. For I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse of the law for us. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So I know you've been going through a sermon series on the parables. This morning, uh, we look at uh, one of Jesus' parables uh, that actually, uh, in both Matthew and Luke, uh, comes uh, right as part and at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Matthew's version of the Sermon on the Mount uh, has a lot more details and and, uh, uh, much longer uh, than Luke's uh, version, uh, which could be considered perhaps a condensed version. Scholars tell us that uh, it could have been uh, the sermon as it was preached, uh, or the Luke version may have been a compilation of, of different uh, you know, themes and substances of Jesus' sermon during his ministry. Uh, they also point out that uh, it's kind of the Jewish style of preaching, uh, which is kind of rapid fire and moving from point to point, uh, like we find uh, in the Luke version more so than in the Matthew version. Uh, several years ago in the land, uh, we decided to do a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so I entitled the sermon series, The Greatest Sermon Ever. Uh, and I had just come back from vacation, and I put it on the marquee at uh, Trinity in the Land, The Greatest Sermon Ever. Uh, and uh, about midweek, the choir director came to me, and she said, I have a concern. And I said, what's the concern? And she said, it's about the marquee. And I was like, what? And she said, don't you think that's a little arrogant? And I said, what? And she said, you're titling your sermon, the greatest sermon ever. I was like, well, God forbid. I wasn't talking about my sermon. I'm talking about Jesus' sermon on the mount. So on that first Sunday, I started off with that little story, and I heard giggling and laughing in one certain section of the sanctuary. And you know what? Oftentimes there is that one certain section in the sanctuary where there's a smart guy who always says funny things. Well, DeLand had that one guy who's a local attorney, uh, one of my closest friends. He's an amazing guy. And when I said that about the marquee, I heard all this giggling and laughing in his section. So I just flat out asked, what did he say? And he said... Well, I said when I saw the sermon title on the marquee, I just assumed we had another guest preacher, um, which I loved. It's one of my favorite stories. Um, But in this sermon, Jesus really reveals uh, his heart uh, and his uh, mission statement, if you will, uh, and his calling uh, and perhaps his very purpose for being. Uh, because I love the Sermon on the Mount. I tried to memorize it a couple years ago. It's a lot to remember, particularly when you start getting into your 60s like I am. Uh, But I love to chew on it and to remember it. Uh, And yet it is daunting. And it is not 
just daunting to memorize. It's daunting to read and to let the words penetrate deep. Uh, because both uh, versions in Matthew and Luke uh, begin with uh, a type of Beatitudes, uh, which, uh, you know, if you carefully consider the Beatitudes, uh, Jesus starts off with a reversal. I mean, really, it's blessed to be poor in heart. It's, it's blessed to mourn. It's blessed to be persecuted. Really? So Jesus starts off with this reversal, if you will. Everything is turned upside down. And then he begins, begins to move into moral and ethical living uh, with statements like, you have heard that it once was said, um, do not murder. But I tell you, if you call someone a fool uh, or raka, you are in danger of hell fire. Uh, Jesus raises the bar on moral and ethical living to so high uh, that without his help, it's an impossibility for us to live in to the demands of the law. It's scary. It's terrifying. And then he begins to meddle, if you will, and move into religious behavior. Uh, and he goes deep into religious behavior. And he begins to tell them that you cannot use religious behavior um, for outward show to get people to think highly of you, to receive public acclaim. And he speaks primarily of giving. Uh, and, and in his day, some would sound the trumpets when they were going to give alms to the poor. Uh, and he talks about praying, that some would pray on the street corner so that everybody could hear what long, beautiful, flowing prayers they pray. Uh, he talks about fasting, that some people would mark themselves and have such miserable looks on their faces that you could not mistake them uh, for not being fasting on that day. Uh, but Jesus, in turn, talks about how our religious practices should be done in private, uh, in intimate personal relationship with God, who sees in private, who knows what's going on, and who will reward us. He continues to turn everything upside down, uh, and he calls on people to trust uh, that the God who created them, the God who loves them, will meet their needs with a caveat, to seek first God's righteousness. And it goes on and on. Uh, for me, although spoken very graciously, they are withering words to live up to, to model. And then he ends, and both sermons end with this same parable of the wise and foolish builders. And it's kind of interesting to me, Matthew, well, they both kind of do. Uh, they talk about uh, you could know someone by the fruit of their lives. Uh, Matthew throws in about the narrow way, uh, that there's a broad way and a narrow way, and only through the narrow way can we get uh, into relationship with God. Uh, and then we end with the parable of the two builders. Uh, and one builder uh, went all in, dug deep, found the rock, 
built the foundation on the rock, and his house was well built and could withstand any storms. Uh, and he compares and contrasts that with the one who didn't go all in, who perhaps took the shortcut uh, and built on sand, did not go deep, uh, did not build on the foundation, did not plant the foundation on solid rock. And when the storms came, the house collapsed. And Jesus uses this parable to talk about obedient living and disobedient living. Uh, in both sermons, he talks about those people who call him Lord, Lord, but don't do what he tells them to do. So for me, this gets at the very heart of the matter, which is a matter of the heart. Um, Jesus tells us that he did not come to abolish the law or to do away with any part of it but that he came to fulfill the law. Uh, later, the Apostle Paul uh, in Romans talks about how the law uh, was to lead us uh, to Christ, to guide us, uh, to convince us that it was an impossibility to live out the law. Paul goes so far as to tell us that he did, and he was the chief of sinners. So Jesus took all of that on for us. And we are called to live obediently to the teachings of Jesus. And it overwhelms me because I know I'm a failure. I know I sin in word, in deed, in attitude, in thought. And it's at the very heart that Jesus dives into about the depths of sin. And it's just not exterior, but most of all, it's interior. It's who we are inside. And when I think about the storms, uh, I was shocked this morning at the video that we saw at the first service, and it was a video about 9-11. And to be honest, I had not thought much about the upcoming anniversary of 9-11. Uh, I'm sure you remember where you were on 9-11. Uh, Lorraine and I remember where we were. Uh, actually, I was sitting on the steps, which were probably about right here on that Tuesday morning. Uh, we had come to, to work, and I had brought Maya, and a lot of times Maya, who was just tiny back then, we would sit here and just kind of look around, and we would talk for a few minutes before I'd take her on to preschool. And I think we were in here, and Lorena came back to tell me that uh, an airliner had just hit the, the first tower. Uh, and so that was followed by bewilderment. Uh, and then I had a disciple class that morning, and we were interrupted, and uh, we were told that a second airliner had hit the building. Uh, and we didn't really know what to do. Uh, Pastor Paul was gone on a day retreat, and when he left on a day retreat, he never answered his phone or responded. Uh, and he didn't even know what was happening. He was at some park and began to see the jets lining up, I, I guess, line, to come into Orlando. Uh, but it was just one of those days. Uh, and that's kind of the day of a national storm. 
uh, a day that will shake us, a day that did shake us to our core. Uh, what's going to happen next? Who was behind this? Um, I remember there were alerts for all sorts of government buildings all over. I remember uh, we got the word to stay away from downtown Orlando. Um, it was just a bewildering, scary moment. And being here brought a lot of that back. Uh, and as schedules go, I got to preach that next Sunday. It was a pressure-packed morning. But God saw me through. And we survived. Jesus tells us that storms will come. Oftentimes, I believe, we think because we believe that storms won't come, that we are somehow immune to the storms. But storms are a part of life. And oftentimes, the storms make us who we are called and created to be. Particularly, if we live lives of obedient faith. And as I've been thinking of storms, um, and there are all sorts of storms. Um, a storm could arise just from a comment from a single person. Uh, a storm can arise from a doctor's diagnosis. Uh, and some of those storms last for a long time. Uh, and I am privileged to work at the children's home, and, and as I get to know our children and youth, and I get to hear their stories, many of them from the moment of their birth uh, experience storm after storm after storm. Many of them are born addicted to drugs because their mother was addicted to drugs. Uh, so they go through withdrawal in their first moments of, of life from the womb. And many have shared with me that it gets worse from there as they are neglected and abandoned and treated in horrible ways that many of us couldn't even imagine nor do we want to imagine. But it happens more often than we would like to believe. And often, these innocent ones are blamed and are convinced that it's their fault and that they're worthless. And when they arrive at the children's home, they encounter people who love them, who genuinely love them, and who try to demonstrate the love of Christ to them. Regardless of what department they may work in, they try to love unconditionally, with great patience and with great perseverance, because transformation, for the most part, at the children's home does not happen in a straight, linear line, but is two steps forward and three or four back. But it's that love and it's that top-notch professional care that working together bring transformation and wholeness. Uh, and we've been excited. Uh, last year at the children's home, we had six of our folks uh, to confess faith in Christ and to ask to be baptized. And uh, Madeline had that 
privilege of baptizing those children. And then this spring we had five up at Madison Youth Ranch who asked, you know, Christ into their lives and asked to be baptized. And, and it's a beautiful thing uh, as we see transformation happening. And none of that's possible for us without you and without your partnership with us. Uh, and I like to point out to folks that the Children's Home started as the Florida Methodist Orphanage in 1908, and yet 1906, the Florida Conference of the Methodist Episcopal Church South appointed a man named Reverend Dr. DePas, uh, and his job was as a local agent to travel around the Florida Conference and to promote the founding of the Children's Home and to begin raising funds for the Children's Home, by the way, which his salary would come out of. Uh, and one of the things he started in 1906 was that fifth Sunday offering for children's Sunday school classes and the Epworth League youth groups. And eventually that became part of the fiber of the local church in Florida. Um, and we know that the local church forms the backbone for our ministry and for all that we do. So thank you for that. Thank you for helping our children and youth weather the storms of life. Uh, and when I think I've encountered a storm, and I think that uh, things may be in jeopardy, um, I remember verses from Isaiah 43. But now, the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, He who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the floods, flood, the rivers, they will not overtake you. I always get that part a little fuzzy. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you on a blaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Such a God has laid it all out on the line for us. Jesus came to demonstrate living out His sermon in a personal, intentional way, clinging to His Father in their relationship. And he died on the cross, a gruesome, brutal death, and rose victoriously from the grave, which demonstrated his sinless life. And he's offered us this obedience, this relationship that can weather all storms in his love and in his grace. So when the storms hit, where will you be? on a faltering foundation built on the sand or that rock-solid foundation of faith in Jesus Christ. May we all stand with Jesus together. Let us pray. Holy God, we exalt and glorify you. We praise you. And I am so honored to be here at Asbury and Maitland uh, the place that we consider home, the place that we consider family. 
We thank you for this high honor, and I entrust Asbury into your hands. And I just ask, Lord, that you will continue to bless Asbury, that you will continue to use this church for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. And Lord, I pray that you will just move upon them uh, and um, as they encounter storms, of which we all will, uh, may they remain firmly fixed in you and on you through their lives of obedience, trust, faith, and love. Jesus, we love you, we trust you, and in your holy name we pray. Amen and amen.